Hey, it's the FinTech Newscast. My name's John, and with me is a guy who's a winner no matter which way the markets are moving. Steve, how's it going? Uh, I'm wearing a really thick uh, parka, John. How are you? I know what you're referencing. It's going to be an icy crypto winter, FinTech winter, the economy winter, technology winter. Who's not laying off these days? It's going to be winter overall, yeah. We, we, we keep seeing the news. are pretty terrible, just from 5 to 20%, just boom, gone. Yet a tight labor market. It's kind of a weird, freaky space. It's a good thing it's a tight labor market because Coinbase just announced a 18% layoff, which is Oof. like a little over a thousand of their people. That's massive. If you're That's looking to pretty, hire, pretty massive, yeah. you're going to yeah. see some uh, Coinbase uh, resumes out there. Yeah. Yeah. And a, a big yeah. sale going on on anything uh, in the markets right now. If you were thinking about getting, uh, I don't know, some avalanche cryptocurrency, some bank stocks. Now everything's everything's twenty to thirty percent off right now. It's actually a pretty great time to buy right now. <laughs> if you if you have faith in the future, the, the, it's not the good time to be the meme kind of deal right now. It, it is not. Well, market risk is just one of many, 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 many risks that uh, everybody has to worry about when they're operating in the economy. And fortunately, we have an expert in this area, Amanda Cohen the Director of GRC Products at Resolver. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be here. Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, w- with everything going on and um, hmm, with news of some uh, sketchy behavior out there in, uh, in a lot of areas, uh, you have really good timing jumping in uh, with us uh, right now. Or we have, we're, we're lucky that, that you can come right now. Um, first, do you, do you guys handle market risk, by the way? Yeah, so I think uh, as an organization, the Resolver platform is meant to handle risk as a whole. So we predominantly look at enterprise risk with market risk being one of those main factors that would impact how your enterprise is performing as a whole. Okay, right. From from every angle. Mm -hmm. Uh, Well, tell us a a bit about uh, Resolver. And I guess you had some big news uh, recently. You were just acquired. And how, how does that impact your plans going forward? Yeah, so we were. So we were acquired by Kroll, which um, has been a great acquisition so far. I think we're in month two, approaching month three. The and honeymoon's always the best part, Amanda. <laughs> so uh, <laughs> we found as an organization that it was really well paired. I think there was, you know, when you're looking for that type of investment, uh, you want to make sure that the organization that you're going to work with is really going to help you grow and allow you to kind of um, take ownership of your business and and build out the way that you kind of the vision to align with your vision, I suppose. And what's really great about the Kroll acquisition is that we have always been experts in the technology space. So um, we have an integrated risk management platform that allows you to look at your risk exposure from a variety of different perspectives, whether that's your regulatory risk, as you alluded to, your market risk, um, you know, your third party risk. So we can collect all that information. And, and we're really experts in the technology space of how to bring that information together, how to find insights and how to drive business decisions forward um, by pulling that information and then being able to extract those key insights. But where we- uh, I'm sorry, on a technology in terms of like a, your clients are technology companies or leveraging technology? So we are the technology that our companies or that companies leverage um, to manage their risk management and their compliance programs, third-party risk. So our oh, platform- 
Yeah. So our platform allows organizations ultimately um, to understand their risk posture and where that stands um, and what's, you know, what's acceptable, whether it's, you know, above what's an, an acceptable threshold below that. And so we give that holistic view of your risk exposure across your entire organization. And so we can, you know, feed in various data sources and really make sure you've got that you know, bird's eye view of how you're performing from a risk perspective. And so while we've spent our time building technology to really help accelerate, automate, um, and standardize those processes for our customers, uh, Kroll is a consulting agency and they provide expert services to help people dig into that risk exposure. So paired together, we have this really nice synergy where not only now is there the technology, but there's the industry domain experts to really bring everything together and then help our customers move forward in a much more meaningful way. So, so far it's been, it's been really exciting. Uh, we've been learning a ton and, um, you know, we're excited to, to kind of take on the market together, or I guess as one. Uh, is there anything when you go to companies and uh, uh, start um, getting into the insights, is there anything, some common things that are surprised, surprising to the clients that, that they didn't know about or something that uh, you, you wish they, they would have known ahead of time? Yeah, so I think one of the biggest differentiators for us as an organization is really um, how we, a lot of um, our competitors or a lot of people in this space really think about what you need to do to prevent things from going wrong. So it's very focused on, you know, do you have the right policies in place? Do you have the right procedures in place? Are you feeling prepared for that event that could catastrophically impact your business? And so that's where a lot of people focus. But where we find that we're differentiated is that we have a really big presence with uh, incident management and security risk management. And what that really means is that we're not only just looking at the preventative side of the business and, you know, what risks could materialize ultimately causing disruption to your business. But what are the things that are happening every single day on the ground? So that could be some kind of breach. It could be different suspicious transactions. It could be customer complaints. Um, it could be things like as easy as like a slip and fall that's constantly occurring in the same time, theft, you know, vandalism, all of those pieces. But when you feed those types of insights of the things that are happening day to day in your organization, and then you pair that with your risk management uh, program, you have a much better understanding of how well you're actually doing from a risk management perspective. I think risk gets a bit of a bad rap sometimes because it feels like a little bit pie in the sky. You're kind of, you know, I think my risk exposure looks like this and it's, you know, a couple different people's opinions that are making a decision on how well they think they are prepared for a particular risk. But that only gives you the insights of a couple individuals that are theorizing, or maybe they've got a little bit of data. But when you're pulling from the actual events that are occurring within your business, and then that's informing your risk program, really what you're understanding and you're getting a better view into is our, is our risk posture that we believe, or is our risk exposure that we believe we're at aligned with where, uh, with what's happening on the ground day to day. And so we are feeding those insights from your incident management program and then really helping you understand uh, what types of risks are materializing within your business and whether you need to invest more in order to um, you know, have that risk within an acceptable risk threshold. Yeah, it sounds like a, a bit of a availability bias where people kind of uh, think, assume the whole thing is what, what they've seen uh, mm -hmm. from their perspective. Yeah, that's exactly it. I think that a lot of organizations, and you know, you have to start somewhere. So 
risk has moved to the forefront of a lot of organizations. It's being demanded at the board level. It's being demanded by your shareholders. And so um, historically, you know, there was a lot of organizations that managed risk with a list of what are the top 10 things that our organization could be exposed to. And it looked a little bit like a traffic light. So, you know, this area is red, we're feeling good over here. This part's green, this part's yellow. And that didn't get a lot of credibility at the board level or at the executive level because it but really- they, they look good in the uh, dashboards and in those presentations <laughs> though. That it was, does look nice. It's got a yeah. pretty layout, but beyond it's simple. that, yeah. <laughs> exactly. It's not really giving you insights and it's not really helping you make better decisions. So when you're able to say, okay, this is red because, you know, these are the things that are happening on the ground. These are what's, these are the events that are materializing, or this is the indicators, the key risk indicators, the key uh, program indicators and process indicators that are actually exceeding you know, where we want them to be, that's going to help you inform your risk exposure and then really have more meaningful decisions um, about the risks that are happening within your business. Do you see demand for your services uh, changing in this past year with uh, everything going on to kind of reflect the changes in the economy? Yeah, I think we've always seen traction with financial institutions. Um, They are heavily regulated in this space. And so Um, you know, that's always been an area of focus for us, but we're ultimately seeing a lot more maturity in less regulated areas. Um, So in a lot of, I guess, fintech organizations, the level of regulation that you have to adhere to is a little bit different, but we're seeing a lot more traction there and a lot of innovation on how they want to use risk data to make better decisions. Um, And then we're kind of seeing it across the board. I think all you have to do, I suppose, is have a global pandemic that the majority of the population didn't anticipate and severely disrupted your entire business. That would be terrible. (laughs) Right. (laughs) And things like the interest rates, um, the way that they're escalating right now. So, you know, people don't want to be caught off guard. People don't want to be surprised. And so, um, you know, that emphasis on a risk program and building maturity into your risk function has really seen a lot of traction, um, particularly over the last kind of two, three years. So do you actually assign, or or could you actually assign a numerical value or score in terms of the risk exposure to a specific company? Um, And I'm wondering whether that has any any sort of utility from either a a pre-M&A due diligence or another sort of way to understand how risky a company's profile is. Yeah, that's interesting. It's actually something we're looking at in terms of how we can better help organizations, both from an M&A perspective. If you can actually take advantage of the different feeds of the different risks, the different threats that are influencing those business, you can understand what type of exposure you might be susceptible to. And so it's certainly something we're seeing traction in. It's not necessarily an area we've invested in as much. Uh, We've been predominantly focused on how a particular organization looks at their own risk. Um, And so when we quantify that, we're looking more at what's the financial impact of if this thing was to go catastrophically wrong. And so financially, how exposed would we be um, should some of these risks materialize? But that concept, there's no reason that can't be applied more broadly to things like M&A, your third parties, all of that. How would a company mm-hmm. use your, your investigations product to further their, their purpose? Yeah, that's a great question. So a lot of it starts with just what incidents are materializing within your business. And Curl does do a lot within the investigation space. And so how we can 
as a technology provider partner with their um, expert services is that we're capturing a lot of different types of incidents. So as I mentioned earlier, that could be things like customer complaints that are coming in. Um, we can capture whistleblowing type events and feed that into our system. Um, any type of incident that could materialize within your business is something that can feed directly into our program. And then what we do is we leverage um, a triage function. And so we're ultimately sifting through what are the most meaningful um, types of incidents that are occurring, where are there trends, where are we seeing patterns, are there certain types of things that are happening, you know, consistently at a certain time of day, cert, um, constantly by particular actors within the organization. And so that can lead to a full investigation that can then be produced into things like police reports, should they need to be um, filed to different regulators, if that's kind of the end output. And so taking um, all of the different types of incident data and then collecting that down, sifting it down to what's really impactful um, is, is really important to be able to understand like where the investigations need to occur um, and what trends might we have missed if we weren't um, collecting all that information into a single source. And so something we see um, a lot of organizations doing is they're capturing different types of incidents or issues all throughout different parts of their business. They're managed in different tools, they're managed by different teams, but having that consolidation is really something that a lot of teams are missing. And so a tool like Resolver will help bring all those different feeds together and then allow you to have that holistic view of the types of incidents that are occurring, which then you know, leads into that more in-depth investigation. Um, so from a staffing perspective, it seems like the, the kind of thing that could be, um, that could be done by either a former law enforcement officer or somebody maybe with a background in forensic auditing or something like that, what sort of the profile would you say of a typical Resolver employee? Uh, so within our organization, we have a variety of people that we would consider subject matter experts. And then we also have people who are focused on technology. Uh, so given that we need to be able to build this type of technology, we do need a lot of developers, um, you know, and people who can actually bring this vision to light. But then we also um, on the team have a variety of subject matter experts that, to your point, include people like former law enforcement, um, former auditors, um, you know, a lot of people that come uh, from consulting firms, uh, you know, across the big four that are really focused on um, helping build and mature a lot of these programs. And so then we're able to take all of that subject matter expertise and then build out a product that really resonates with our customer base. Yeah, you mentioned the use of uh, technology. What, what are some of the new cutting edge uh, things uh, that are helping what you do or, or what would you like to see? Yeah, so something that's incident or interesting on the incident management side of the business, uh, we recently released uh, what we call like an entity extraction. And so, as I mentioned, we've got this swath of incidents that can occur across the business. And when you think about some of these enterprise companies, you know, they've got countless locations across a variety of different geographies, all coming in in different languages. Um, and so, you know, they're spread out and identifying those trends and identifying those types of patterns in that data can be a pretty onerous task, often for people who might be a little bit newer to the organization or, you know, some security guards that are pulling this information in. And so what we've done is a, the ability to capture incidents in any language, translate that back into um, a language that can be consumed by these teams and then really parsed to understand what types of insights are contained within those particular incidents so that you can get that, again, that kind of corporate view of what's happening throughout your organization. 
But on top of that, what we're doing is pulling different um, entities out of that. And so what I mean by that are, um, you know, people, places, things that are constantly being used and that dictate the level of threat or exposure that you have in your organization. So if you constantly uh, see, and it, what's interesting about it is that this information is hard to identify when you're looking at it through some kind of email incident that was you know, submitted or kind of looking through a thread. So what we're able to do is say this particular actor, this employee, this vendor seems to have been a part of, you know, 10 different things. They, they always seem to be on the scene when something goes wrong. They always seem to be a part of this. And so we're able to pull all that information and then find those key people and then say, you know, do that deeper dive, do that deeper investigation. And we're using machine learning to parse through that information and really pull those insights out so that we can get, um, do that deeper investigation. And what that's doing is really freeing up the time of the people who are just collecting the information, which isn't an overly um, valuable use of their time. It's great, but we want to really be able to take that information and then take action on it. And so when we're able to identify those themes, those threats, those patterns, that's where you can kick off your investigation and really get true insight um, into how your program's performing. Hmm. So, so what are some of the uh, risk trends that you've been seeing lately? Uh, anything uh, come up? I think in terms of trends that we're seeing across the industry, it's a lot more about sharing information. A lot of these teams really were operating um, independently for a long time. So you might have had your incident management team or your investigations team in one side of the business. You had your regulatory compliance group in another, uh, your audit group, which, you know, is meant to be segregated, but you know, independent in another part of the business and risk somewhere else. And there was a lack of sharing of information across these teams. And so as we shifted, a lot of the customers that we're seeing today are looking to disband of those kind of point solutions that are uh, focused on their one particular problem and really bringing all this data together. And so the burden on the business historically has been and I'm sure anyone who's kind of sat and had has been audited has gone through that experience of, you know, the audit team is coming, they're collecting information from you, you're providing them evidence of how your program runs, and you submit it off. But two weeks later, three weeks later, compliance is coming, and they're asking you for very similar types of information. And then next thing you know, another team is also asking you for that same information. But that drives so much frustration and, and pushback from all, everybody, right? It does. And then it makes, you know, the concept of compliance, the concept of risk, this like boring, all they're doing is becoming a barrier to me and, and for me achieving my objectives. And when we start to say, let's actually share the information, audit just asked you for it. They just tested and we feel confident that that program's running smoothly. Why would we go back to that two weeks later and test the same thing? Let's shift our attention. Let's expand our coverage. Let's focus on an area of the business that has, you know, we haven't taken a look at in a long time or just implemented a new product or that product's been sitting on the shelf for 10 years. What kind of vulnerabilities do we have? And so we can, you know, have a more holistic view of what's happening in the organization. And that's really the trend we're seeing across the board is people want to integrate their data. They want to share their insights and then they want to take advantage of, you know, the resources across the company. Is overcoming some of the pushback from different groups part of uh, your, your conversations or uh, with larger organizations or you're getting some uh, resistance or is that something that they deal with and, and you, you work from the data from there? No, that's probably one of the most common things that we get asked for. I think these teams have really high aspirations of how they can um, 
you know, help inform the business and make better decisions and help contribute to the strategic objectives of the organization. But if they can't get the information they need from the business, then they're really not able to achieve those types of objectives. And so one of the primary things our customers are looking for when they come to us is how do we more effectively work with the business? And so from our perspective, um, you know, there's a lot of investment in business to consumer tools. And so they're really easy to use if you're, you know, scrolling your Instagram account or you're buying something on Amazon or, you know, those tools, those apps have been really designed with user experience um, top of mind. And so our sense is that there's no reason your B2B software should be any different. And so we want to make sure that when we put our technology out to market, that, um, adoption and that getting users into our system is not the barrier for you collecting information. So we've really, really focused on how do we make that experience really great so that your users can come in from the business, provide you with the information you need, and then they can move on because ultimately that's not their job. Their job is to be focused on moving the business forward. This is detracting from what they need to do every day, but you still need those insights. So we want to make that process as seamless as possible. Uh, Do you have a lot of uh, FinTech clients? We do. We're seeing a lot more traction with fintech. I think the a lot of companies are really trying to get ahead of the curve in terms of where the regulatory obligations are coming from. So there's not, a not lot. Not wait of people... to get fined or sanctions. Exactly. They're not going to wait. Robinhood would have, would have benefited so much from you guys. They're, they're not a client, are they? No. No. But, no. Um, <laughs> Exactly. It's, it's, we see that a lot with fintech companies who know that there's things coming down the pipeline. They don't want to be caught on their heels when those regulatory uh, changes come into force. And so, uh, you know, many of these organizations are, you know, they understand that they have similar types of obligations as a financial institution. And so we're seeing a lot of traction in that space of people who are getting ahead of the curve. When you look at the, the forensic side of the business, um, are you also looking at, as we see more companies now getting into the whole crypto space and buying Bitcoin and all that, uh, sort of tracking either asset or currency ownership throughout the chain? Or is that something that's still in the future for you guys? Right now, that's still in the future for us. We have predominantly focused in on financial institutions, fintech, um, and haven't gone into crypto quite yet. But I think the thing that's interesting about the crypto space is that there's so much unknown Um and, you know, how does that look? What does that regulatory environment, you know, ultimately end up looking like? How does that change over time? And so there's certainly been um, interest from some of these companies where, you know, again, it's that same concept of how do you get ahead of something where you're not entirely sure what's coming. Um, but in terms of actually monitoring that, that's not something that we do within our technology, um, but certainly something that we, you know, have on our radar to continue to explore. Plenty of risks in, in that space, I assume. We certainly do. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah. So what do you see up ahead? Uh, there's, uh, like I said, so many things uh, going on these days. Um, what are your expectations for the rest of uh, this year? And I realize that we're at the crux of a, a lot of things going on right now, but uh, uh, what, what do you see on the horizon? Yeah. So um, organizationally, I think our biggest objective objective is really uh, what we're calling shifting from risk management to risk intelligence. And so risk management being just the simple collection of data and, you know, making sure you have, you're you're managing your program, whereas risk intelligence really brings in 
um, external insights. And so there's all kinds of different data sources that you can tap into that really help inform your risk posture. Um, you know, there are tools that are tracking different incidents that are materializing in your industry that could be fed in. And what that can give to you from an insight perspective is, you know, these are the things that are happening to my peers. What do I need to be thinking about? Those are like regulatory fines that are occurring. There are, you know, different reputational um, impacts that are happening. And so giving the, that type of insight to your organization helps you really frame and, and run risk ex exercises around what could happen to your business. Um, additionally, in this space, we're seeing a lot more integration of systems. And so, um, again, as I kind of mentioned early in the conversation, there was a lot of like finger in the air. What do we think our risk exposure looks like? But now we're seeing people really with the ambitions to bring in a variety of data sources to help inform their understanding of the risks that could materialize or that are materializing, um, which then automate the alerts and automate, um, you know, action and make sure that people are getting ahead of things as opposed to, you know, being really reactionary in ways that we've seen in the past. So that transition is really where we see the industry going and, and how we see it evolving over time. Well, good luck with it. Keep up the good work. That's Amanda Cohen, the director of GRC products at Resolver. Please hit subscribe to keep up with the latest in fintech news. And thank you for listening.